Welcome to What Has My Attention, and this is John Beethan. In today's show, I'm talking with Juliana C., a graduate of Accomplishment Coaching. The program there is built around developing your potential. More than growth, more than development, the program is about transformation. This episode was recorded on November 5th, 2021, and Juliana had mentioned she was pregnant. Well, she had baby Josephine on December 1st, 2021, and that's an accomplishment in itself right there. Here's a sneak peek about what's to come in the full episode with Juliana C. How I understood what you shared is that, like, with our clients, we become part of their team. Yes, that's totally coaching and partnership and uh, the coaching relationship is we're part of the client's team to help them become their best version, to help them get to their goals faster, to help them transform and uh, break through those limiting belief stories that they have. And it's, um, I kind of like to call it the dream team. When you have a coach on your side, it's like a person helping you to create your dreams. And I know it sounds a little corny, like, oh, I'm creating my dreams. But I mean, who doesn't want to be creating their dream life? My clients know that it's like I'm there to support them, but I can't make the change for them. I don't think anyone can. You know, when even when you go to a friend and you know that you want some advice, do you ever have a friend where they're always like, you always give them advice, but they never do it because they're not ready? Everyone's going to be ready at their own point. So it's not my responsibility to change someone. I don't. I don't relate to my clients as needing to be fixed. I just see some, maybe something's getting in the way. Our brain's job is to keep us alive, and it's our internal job to make ourselves happy. Um, and I think that sometimes we forget that. We're like, oh, I'm just not happy, uh, and this other voice is running in the head. Well, that voice is doing its job. It's keeping you alive. It's keeping you safe. And sometimes a tiger's not chasing us. Like, we don't need to be saved from something and it's our internal job to make ourselves happy and to discover what makes us happy. Juliana C., welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you here. We kind of had a late start. Sorry for being late, but uh, here we are. So happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, this is great. This is a continuation of Women in Strong Leadership because when I met you, um, I saw you had that in your deck of cards in terms of your own personal development. And uh, we're titling this. I asked you to title it and you said, stick out with your authentic leadership style. So uh, we could talk about authentic. We could talk about leadership and we could talk about style. And we could talk about the fact that you're, you're um, due with the baby very, very soon. So many things to talk about. I know. So where would you like to start? Because I really like to hold the safe space and, and give my guests, um, especially women in strong leadership, most of the floor. And I'm sure I'll have questions. Yeah, let's start with the authentic leadership. And then we can add style in there. <laughs> okay, good. Good. So, um, mm-hmm. yeah, so just also f- so everybody knows, if you go to Juliana C S I H dot com. That's a personal branded website. Um, it's really beautiful actually, but, uh, and we'll mention that at the end of the show too, but, um, yeah. So what about, what about, um, authentic? What about all this? 
Well, I think part of the reason why I chose this title is because I find that a lot of people try to emulate other people's leadership style, which is totally fine. It's a great place to like look for something that you want within yourself and build that quality. But it's also important to understand that we each have our own authentic style. We each have our own gifts to bring to the table. And sometimes when we step into leadership, we forget about that. We think we have to do it all or we control and manage. And it's really about finding um, how we communicate best with others, how we lead ourselves. And it's very personal. It's very mm -hmm. personal. Like um, I remember for a long time in, I, I helped train new coaches in the art of coaching. And that, at the beginning, I was trying to be someone else. I was trying mm. to emulate some of the leaders and it wasn't quite working for me because I felt like I was pushing myself down mm. while trying to be like someone else. And it didn't come out authentically. Like my essence didn't come out. It was, it felt like I was a little rigid and there's that being part of yourself that you can tell when people are trying to be a little bit like others and not like themselves. Yeah. Well, as I told you earlier, uh, the reason I came back late is because I was doing a two-minute soapbox presentation at the Carlsbad Chamber of Commerce, and I, I worked gratefully with somebody uh, who's familiar with the story brand framework, Donald Miller's, you know, and we wrote it and spoke it. In the beginning, it was like, oh, it's too wordy, and we cut it down to two minutes and stuff. So I actually ended up, I couldn't memorize it because I just didn't have time. But I walked away from after that two minutes going, you know, I should have just like thrown the cards away and just spoke. Because mm. it's hard. I, I, I can't do scripted stuff. I have to just, you know, and that's why I enjoy podcasting too. So how did you, once you discovered that, what did you do to make the change? Well, I think it takes, it. it's not like a one and done. It takes time to discover your authentic leadership style, just like anything else. Like when you're discovering something about yourself, it takes time, curiosity, uh, trying new things. Um, so for me, when I find that something really works for me, like it resonates with someone or I can tell that people are engaged I start to just kind of, those are things that I start to pick out that those are authentic things that I do that, uh, support people that really resonate, that gets them going. So I'm always kind of like looking for feedback. I think part of leadership also, an important part of leadership and authentic leadership is being open to feedback, mm. getting feedback. Um, what are, like asking people, what are my strengths? What are my areas for growth? Um, what are my I, blind blind spots maybe? Yes, yeah. Like what am I not seeing that has me showing up a certain way that might not be empowering or might not be authentic to me? Mm -hmm. um, so it's a constant, it's a constant process, which is why I love coaching and personal development. So it's a, what do you get fired up about watching the transformation of one of your clients? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. When they can see the whole world in a new view and it's like not the dread, you know, guilt filled dreary place that they were before. And all of a sudden it's a little bit, there's just more possibility in the space mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that really gets me going. Sometimes it's funny that you um, mentioned that sometimes I'll go into a coaching call and I'll be kind of like, uh, you know, in my like, I don't want to mood. And then after the call, I'll have, you know, I'll support someone. And all of a sudden I'll be like, 
transformed from coaching someone. Yes. So what are you saying that your clients, you should start paying your clients instead? Because <laughs> you Maybe. gain so it's, much out of it. It's a symbiotic relationship where yeah. I get yeah. to be curious with them and support them. And at the same time, I get sourced. Yeah. 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 That's awesome. So you are, you're a certified coach, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What program did you go through? I went through the program called Accomplishment Coaching. Mm -hmm. um, it's a year-long coach training program. It's kind of the longer, more extensive versions, but their um, their foundation is really about transformation. They want the participant who's getting trained to transform because mm -hmm. as we see it, if you're transforming and you're constantly growing, you're going to help your constant kind of constantly grow as well. And I've noticed that it's kind of funny. Like when you stagnate as a coach, like your, your clients will start showing some stagnation as well. They'll be kind of stuck. They're not making as much movement forward. And that's where the coach needs to look on their side of the street to be like, what's going on with me that is having my clients show up this way. Yeah. So it's basically as a coach, you have influence and it gets picked up and wow. It's pretty, you know, Elena Armillo, I think I might've mentioned mm -hmm. her. Yeah. Elena is a accomplishment coaching graduate as well. Also certified in most of, I think all of Brene's Brown's uh, certifications, but she told me that a whole lot of people are in accomplishment coaching only for the transformation, not there to learn to be a coach. That's kind of how good it is, huh? It is. Um, you know, a lot of people go there for, it's called a leadership and coach training program because their philosophy is that coaches lead and leaders coach. Mm. Um, and I really like that philosophy because I think that really good leaders help bring out the light in other people so that they can step up into their leadership. Mm -hmm. Um, and yeah, the basis of accomplishment coaching is transformation. Mm -hmm. It's also mm -hmm. training how to be a coach, what to do, but it's all about each person transforming. And almost 100% of the people that go through the program say they transformed during the course of the year. Yeah. So what was a defining moment within that uh, that uh, program you did? A defining moment where kind of everything changed? One particular thing, maybe, or a couple? Um, this is kind of a a funny, interesting story, but one of the leaders, we were in a, there, so there's like themes for the weekends when we meet. Mm -hmm. So we meet every other month and they have a theme for, um, for the weekend. And one of the weekends was called, was a relationship. And at that time I was dating someone. And I, as I spoke about this person that I was dating, I didn't seem very excited. And the, the leader of the program called me out and he's like, wow, you don't seem really excited about this. And I was like, huh. So it was just, that was kind of like a pivotal moment in me realizing that, like I, to listen to myself more deeply mm. and to really trust, tune into my intuition. Cause I kind of knew that, but I didn't know what to do about it. And having mm. it reflected back to me was pivotal. Um, other many pivotal things in that program is that it's team-based. So there's like I had 17 people go through my program at the same exact time. So we're all undergoing transformation at the same time. And mm. each person is so unique and different and they bring their own flavor of their essence, but also of that like survival mechanism of that flight or fight mode. Mm -hmm. So just mm -hmm. being in a team also brings up a lot of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. 
another pivotal moment was that like I was able to cry in front of the group, which is something that I don't, crying in front of people was something that was very rare for me at that time. Mm -hmm. It sounds like to me, like from where you're coming from and also accomplishment coaching, that it invites you also with your clients to be a part of their team. Yes. That is that is that about is that true? Is that right? Yes. So how I understood what you shared is that like with our clients, we become part of their team. Yes. Yes. That's totally coaching and partnership and uh, the coaching relationship is we're part of the client's team to help them become their best version, to help them get to their goals faster, to help them transform and uh, break through those limiting belief stories that they have. Mm -hmm. And it's, um, I kind of like to call it the dream team. When you oh, have a coach nice. on your side, it's like a person helping you to create your dreams. Yes. And I know it sounds a little corny, like, oh, I'm creating my dreams. But I mean, who doesn't want to be creating their dream life? Yeah, exactly. So it's it's not hierarchically, hierarchy. No, not at all. That's what I like about coaching as well. I don't have to be the expert of anyone's life. You know, sometimes I'm not even the expert of my life. Yeah. Where my skills come in is just in listening, acting as a sounding board, asking tough questions, saying the bold thing. But it's really about like equal, but I'm just supporting my clients to get from where they are to where they want to be. And is it also on both sides with you and your client also being like really clear about who's responsible for what? Yes. Yeah. Be because there's, a, I think there's a whole lot of quote unquote therapists that take on the responsibility of change for their clients, but it's really, it's really not up to them. Yeah. No, my, my clients know that it's like, I'm there to support them, but I can't mm -hmm. make the change for them. I don't think mm -hmm. anyone can, you know, when, even when you go to a friend and you know that you want some advice, Mm -hmm. Do you ever have a friend where you, they're always like, you always give them advice, but they never do it because they're not ready? Yes. Yeah. Everyone's going to be ready at their own point. Yes. Um, so it's not my responsibility to change someone. I don't, I don't relate to my clients as needing to be fixed. I just see some, maybe something's getting in the way. Yeah. When I was uh, years ago, when I was studying NLP, neurolinguistic programming, there was this whole piece taught about polarity responders. So the idea behind it is, um, well, actually, they gave a demonstration because one of the facilitators identified somebody in the workshop that was a polarity responder. If you said, don't sit in that chair, that person will do whatever it takes to sit in the chair. Mm. Or go ahead, sit in the chair. And they will go, no, I don't want to sit in the chair. So um, it, it's, you know, I'm, I'm just playing around here and hallucinating more than anything. But it would be easy to imagine as an intervention in a sense, a mutual intervention is to say, ah, you might want to consider this. And, you know, if you're actually identifying somebody as a polarity responder that is like just goes in the complete opposite direction. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure after time, you must, as a coach, actually become aware of kind of people's behaviors at those subtle levels, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. The funny thing about that is some people don't know that th that's what they're doing. Mm. Mm -hmm. And that's where like a coach, a cool coaching conversation can happen because it's like, hey, did you know that you're uh, constantly doing the opposite of what people ask you to do or? Yeah. 
and they're like, oh, maybe they know, maybe they don't. And then it's a great uh, entry into like a coaching conversation. Yeah. Yeah. So gosh, we have kind of been sitting here kind of blending um, authentic and leadership together. And, but that, like one of my, you know, it's like style. That was part of the, part of the title of the episode is style. Mm -hmm. So everybody does have their style and living in Southern California, there's like a lot of style here. You know, people tend to have a tendency to want, well, they drive Mercedes Benz and they dress to the tens and there's all this style, but I, I'm going to just like be um, risky here and say, there's a whole lot of people I meet that look like that and drive like that, that um, just aren't real authentic, you know? Yeah. Yeah. We put a mask on maybe cause it looks nice, but yeah, not the real mask. Yeah. The other thing I, th I find about style is it's kind of like uh, a, a style should like accentuate your personality. Not that mm -hmm. it has to, but I find it to be like in leadership style. Um, your style should accentuate your personality. It should use your strengths. It should um, build upon your weaknesses and really help the person be their full authentic self. Yes. Because when you're trying to be someone else all the time, it's really exhausting. Yeah, everybody else is taken too, so don't even try. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll notice now nobody out there that's listening can see this, but I just changed my glasses. And then usually when I go into a meeting of some sort, this is a style thing. I you go around the room and introduce yourself to people that don't know you. I basically say, "Hi, I'm Steven Spielberg." Because I kind of <laughs> does it ring a bell with you? Uh-huh. It does does with most people. And then of course I tell them my real name. But the fact of the matter is they never forget me. Mm. So style, you know, style can be one of those things that's like um, in the audio, it's like a stinger. It's just like, bing, you know, it's just like, that's how we remember another person. So how do people remember you, do you think? I think people remember me by, I think people have an easy time opening up to me. Mm -hmm. Like I have a really easy way for, to invite people to be their full selves, to express emotion and to feel really safe. Mm. So I think that's part of my leadership style. And then also I think that um, I can be really bold at the same time. I always mm -hmm. ask permission though. So I, I always am creating that foundation of like, it's safe here because that is what creates trust and respect. Mm -hmm. If there's no trust and respect in a partnership in a friendship, mm -hmm. in a coaching relationship, people are, are not going to bring their full selves. So I really invite, uh, my style is to really invite their authentic selves to the table so that, and I bring my authentic self to the table. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That has this ripple effect. The ripple effect, but I was going to say it, it exists that, um, it exists in all relationships. It totally does. Coaching, um, what I love about the skills that I've learned in coaching is it's also very useful in all my other relationships, like mm -hmm. actually listening deeply and checking in on what like my friends need. Do they need me to be like a friend? Do they need me to just listen? Most people don't actually know what they need. They just like start spewing things out and then like their friend will give them advice and they, and then they're like, uh, I don't need one advice. I just want to be heard and seen mm -hmm. other mm -hmm. times they want advice. And then the friend is just like, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah 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 
But as a coach, it, it must be a little bit different though, right? Yeah, as a coach, it's a little bit different. As a coach, I typically, you know, when I when people come to coaching calls, they know they're going to get coached. So I'm mostly using my listening ears for what is said and not said. Mm -hmm. I'm focusing on, like, I have my attention on their projects and the bigger picture of their life, which mm -hmm. sometimes they totally forget about, right? It's like having a bad day. What are my goals? Like, nothing seems exciting. Um, and then also supporting them to get their request and transform whatever might be in the way. Uh-huh. Can you give me an example without naming names of some people that really made your heart sing in terms of coaching with them as a team member or, you know, in collaboration and, and uh, where it started and maybe where it uh, took off from and where it went to. Mm. Yes. Um, yeah. I'm thinking of a particular client. We started working together. Well, probably started working together about a year ago and then we took a little break and we're actually working together again. Mm. Um, but this person really wanted to kind of like, wanted to take a whole new road on their life. They wanted to get a new job. They wanted to uh, have a relationship. They wanted to um, also have a better relationship with themselves. They had, they like, they had a lot mm -hmm. of doubt within themselves that they wanted to transform, like to really trust themselves and not be in their head all the time of like, am I doing this? Is this correct? Like, do I need to double check my, my work? So in the course of about six months, six to eight months, we worked together to remove the blocks that were getting in the way to update his resume and start applying for jobs. And by the end of the time that we worked together, they got a new job, they moved to a new city, they had they were in a relationship that was moving towards a, a, a steady relationship, not just like a fling, but a relationship that was moving towards marriage. Mm -hmm. um, and we worked on the doubt, the fears. Yeah. And that voice, the relationship within themselves. Cause that the voice internal, is like internal dialogue. That's the internal dialogue. Yes. Yes. Yeah. There's a great exercise I used to love. I still, every once in a while I use it with myself, which is generally speaking, you can, you know, love to hear your take on this, but generally there's two voices in our head. Mm -hmm. One is critical. One, one seems to be critical and one is kind of uh, supportive. So the exercise is, well, you know, the exercise, there's a lot of things you can do with that. But what I do is I just literally reach out when I hear that critical voice and I just like turn the volume down really low so you can't hear it anymore. Oh, I like that. Yeah. So it's, it's a physical, it's a physical thing and you can do it and it does work. And that's kind of what I do. Or you turn the volume up on the other supportive one. Hell yes, you can, or whatever it is that your internal voice is, is saying. I love what you just said, because I find that a lot of people are actually trying to get rid of the voice. Yep. Nope. And that doesn't work. It's like our limbic system. It's actually really useful. It protects yep. us from, you know, basically dying. Our brain's job is to keep us alive. Exactly. And it's our internal job to make ourselves happy. Um, and I think that sometimes we forget that we're like, Oh, I'm just not happy. Uh, and this other voice is running in the head. Well, that voice is doing its job. It's keeping you alive. Yeah. It's keeping you safe. And sometimes a tiger is not chasing us. Like we don't need to be yes. saved from something. Um, and it's our internal job to make 
ourselves happy and to discover what makes us happy. Yes. I, a couple of years ago, had the pleasure of working with another woman in strong leadership. Her name is Carrie Lake. And she taught me some, a couple of things that are really valuable. Um, number one is she teaches one of the first things, or at least she was teaching back then was mind watch the body. Mm. And it's like, she had the same approach, which was no, the mind is there to protect us and serve us and, you know, help us get our groceries and help us drive down the road safely. So looking out for it, but there's a point in a time where it's important in, to, to, to talk with your mind and say, today, we're going to do something a little different. I, all I want you to do today is watch the body, watch my body, watch my body. And then that went on to uh, kind of a second part, which was a real aha for me, which was, is that the mind cannot understand the matters of the heart. Mm -hmm. So people, I think, intellectualize a lot love in their mind. Nope. Can't understand the matters of the heart. No. They're two separate things. Except and... poetry can come pretty darn close. Do you like poetry? Love poetry. Yeah. Yeah, it's... um. It's something, it's something very interesting that is not talked about really anywhere. This is like part of like, I think what could be useful in like education system is like understanding our minds more. Uh, that is at least missing for me. Like I wish there was some type of leadership training in middle school or high school. And I think they kind of try to incorporate those things mm -hmm. through like sports or like having class projects. Um, but they don't teach us anything about the heart, the importance of it, why the mm -hmm. mind kind of works the way it does, why we kind of get, you know, in middle school, we kind of get, at least I did get traumatized by some of the things that happened with, um, you know, with friends and stuff like that. And, and then those stories keep running in our mind and we don't realize why we just allow them to run the show and yeah, let them get in the way. So, well, I think part of the point of the Waldorf schools and other schools like that, Mm -hmm. They put a stronger emphasis on the arts, but, um, you know, it's really, really useful. And they don't focus on testing for crying out loud. It's like getting good at testing. I mean, we're, how can you possibly use that? You know, how can most people possibly use that in their life? You know, but I think you, I find that to be such an important part of authentic styles as well as art mm -hmm. and being creative during a time when I was like, uh, working at my corporate job and I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do next. Like I had an idea that I wanted to do coaching, but I didn't know how it was going to happen. I started doing a lot of creative stuff. Like I took belly dancing, I did yoga, I started horseback riding. And I, and during that time in my life, it really helped me to clarify on what I wanted to do. And I think mm -hmm. we sometimes forget that that can be creativity is such a good access point to us finding our authentic selves. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. How did you, so what were you doing in corporate America before you went to coaching? Yeah. So I have a degree in biotechnology um, and I was working in the corporate world doing a very specific tax credit called the research and development tax credit, where the government incentivizes companies to do R and D kind of mm -hmm. an incentive to keep things local versus outsourcing. Um, and you can get a dollar for dollar reduction in taxes owed 
through your research and development efforts. Oh, wow. Um, so at first I was really excited cause it was fun. I got to interview a bunch of engineers and I got to learn about cool projects. Um, but probably about like two or three years in, I started question like, wow, is this what I want to be doing for the next 30 years of my life? And I was having a hard time saying yes to that. I was like, mm -hmm. even if I'm the CEO of this company, would I want that? Mm, I don't know if it's for me. Yeah. Good question. Great question. It's good. You asked, huh? Yeah. Some people don't. Yeah. And then I had this, like, I've always had a yearning to help people ever since I was young. I wanted to be a doctor at first. I went to college and I took some of the pre-med courses and that's why I went to biotech. I even worked at a hospital doing research. Um, so that, uh, part of me, that authentic part of me was not being fulfilled either in that job. Like I felt like mm -hmm. I was helping people save money, but it wasn't like I was impacting their lives directly. Mm -hmm. In fact, I didn't, I was, uh, I was yearning for an intimacy in the relationships that I had that wasn't present at mm -hmm. that job. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So you decided to, uh, do a little deep dive on yourself and find out what you wanted to do. At the same time, I was going through my own personal journey of understanding, like what's really going on with myself. Um, I was listening to a lot of Tony Robbins. There was this mm -hmm. like spiritual teacher I really enjoyed on YouTube. Her name is Teal Swan. I started listening to like people like Gabby Bernstein, you know, reading like the untethered soul. And I just found myself spending hours doing that without needing to. Mm -hmm. I was just intrigued by like understanding myself. And that's also what helped me discover that like, I want to help people do this. Like if I can help people be their best self and be more confident and embody who they are, yeah. have better relationships. Like I'd feel good about that. Yeah. I have this feeling about you that you have a really good sized toolbox in a sense, but that, your way of going is pretty intuitive. Mm -hmm. In other words, you don't have a program. We're going to do this, 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 you know, none of that stuff at all. We're going to do a strategy session. And, but it, it really is, uh, you know, what are some of the first questions or whatever you work and when you're working with somebody, where do you, where do you usually start? And tell me if um, I'm wrong about this. It's just a sense I have. No, a lot of it is intuitive. I do have like a little bit of a process at the beginning where, there's a few things that I want to cover because it helps to get to know the client better. But after that, it's pretty intuitive. Um, coaching sessions are really intuitive. That's like one of the senses that you have to cultivate as well. Uh, a muscle to build, so to say, is the intuition. Uh, because there are so many things that are said or unsaid or things in the tone of the voice. And you get a lot of pings when you're talking to people intimately that you have to listen to. But most, most of where I start with my clients is actually in a, a sample session where we do like a complimentary session to make sure it's a good fit. And during that session, I get really clear about what is it that they yearn for? I get in touch with their heart, actually, speaking of heart, is like, what does their heart really want that they don't currently have? Because not a lot of people ask them that, right? Like if you have a good job and you know, you're doing all right. No one asks you about like, what do you really want? So I start to get in touch with like, what is their vision for their life? But from the heart, not just from like, well, I want to get a promotion and you know, I want to have a relationship. It's like, well, how come you want those things? What would that provide you? 
And typically there's something under, under the surface, which is like, actually, I want more freedom. I want to be able to spend more time with my kids. I want to be traveling some more, or I want to make more money so I can, um, you know, support my family. So it's, uh, there's always something a little bit more under the surface than just the thing that they want. Awesome. Um, fantastic. By the way, we have leaf blowers. Oh, yeah. I so I had them. To, well, no, because I turned down the volume on my microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Very Hopefully. talented uh, sound person you are. Yeah, well, yeah. Got to have the right tools. So, yeah, what I was going to say is that, you know, it's kind of reluctant, but I, it's kind of like this coming up naturally for me is that once again, in the NLP model, it's like there's a thing called the outcome specification. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'd say, Juliana, wh- what do you want? And you would say, what? What do you want? Actually, let's play the game. What do you want? I want to impact a thousand people's lives through my work. So you want to impact a thousand people? Yes. Yes. I think I want some more though. After I was thinking about, I'm thinking about it some more now. And I, you know, when I was in the program, I told myself I wanted to live an intricate, uh, adventurous, fulfilling life. So that's what I really fulfilling, in, intricate, 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 intricate. How intricate in is that it's like not just like a straight path forward, but I'm creating my own path. It's there's different mechanisms playing into it. I'm not just doing one thing, I'm creating multiple things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so. So you want to impact a thousand people's lives in that way? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So if you impacted a thousand people's lives in that way, what would it do for you? Hmm. Give me like this level of satisfaction and like I'm actually using my gifts and talents for the greater good. Um, So I'd be fulfilled. I would have an abundance of, I'd have an abundance of many things of love, of money, of. So if you, if you had an abundance of love and money, what would that do for you? Hmm. This just pleasant feeling comes over me, like a contentment. It's um, it's kind of hard to describe, but it feels like a foundation mm-hmm. that I can jump into something bigger from there. Mm-hmm. Like if I had love, like an abundance of love and money, like I could actually go into something bigger. Like my vision might be bigger. Mm-hmm. And that's something I always find interesting is like, you know, I'll create a vision. And then, you know, when you start making some momentum onto your vision, like you want to create a bigger vision. So sometimes when you ask me that question, what I want, it's in typical short term, like year to five year. But it's when I think about like that abundance of love and money and community and all that stuff, like I think about like the next level like I might be able to jump higher. Jump higher. I like it. 
So it's, it's really great. I think we'll leave it there, but how do you feel right now about it? I feel like I'm uh, filled with more possibility. Yeah. I am really excited to know you for a very long time because I, I want to see this unfold. It'd be really fun. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, there's, you know, I heard somebody say who's actually a podcaster that, you know, made some reference to, oh, yeah, Facebook. I'm on Facebook and I have 5,000 friends. And I'm sitting there going, really? You have 5,000 friends? Are you sure they're not just follows, not likes, not, do you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's like, I only have really a handful of friends and it's not, you know, and largely uh, the criteria has changed, but these are people that I would trust my life with. Yeah. I find that over the years, at least for myself, I've discovered that you really don't need a lot of friends. Like when I was in college, I was like, I want to be friends with everyone. And, um, and nowadays, like, I just need like two to three solid friends. Yep. So when you're in college and stuff, you want a lot of friends. It's basically what you're really saying is I want to test drive a lot. I want to find out what a good friend is, but you don't know that. I think, I mean, I'm kind of imagining you don't really know that that's what you're looking for because you don't really know what you're looking for. You're looking only looking to relate and learn. Yeah. I think in that time in my life also, I was looking to fill like a, maybe a lonely hole. A lonely hole. Oh gosh. We could talk about loneliness for a long, no, let's not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. Right. (laughs) Yeah, really. So awesome. So I do want to wind this up a little bit. So is there anything else you want to cover? And, uh, you know, I could ask you, it's like, uh, you know, some kind of standard questions or whatever to end it. But it's just like if there was one or two things that you think people need to know right now, given that it's like November 5th, 2021. And, um, you know, I ask you the question, how are you doing in the middle of a pandemic? Because we are. But what are what are one or two things you think people would be useful for them to know? Um, I think that knowing that everything is OK, right, as it is just as it is, would be useful. I think we sometimes are constantly like, oh, I'm making up for the last year or, you know, I didn't get to do these things or I'm still not where I want. And it's it's all okay. Like people are right where they need to be and it's perfect for where they are. Um, yeah. And, and that way, don't you, don't you think you get closer to just flowing with life rather than trying to manipulate it and that kind of, that sort of thing? Yeah, it's just like this full body acceptance of like everything is okay as it is. Yeah. Like I'm alive. Um, you are you know. enough along those lines. You are enough. Yeah. And you still got time to create all the things that they want. Yeah. And then the second thing is like don't get, don't give up though. Don't give up on the things that you really yearn for. Yeah. Because they're out there and they're probably likely going to be outside of the comfort zone. You're going to have to face some fears and uncertainty and make some jumps, take some risks. Yeah. I don't think people understand that, that, I mean, the fact that you're even here is a risk, you know, it's a challenge. It's a bunch of stuff. Yeah. It's, it's just a part of, in my opinion, this dimension. And it's yes. also, it's also the opportunity of this dimension. Cause as far as we know, it doesn't exist anywhere else. Consciousness. Yes. All right, Juliana. 
Anything else? And would you want to let people know how to get in touch with you? Because I would really recommend doing a discovery call with you. Yeah. If you want to get in touch with me, you can go on my website, www.julianac.com. I have a, a scheduling page that you can chat with me for 30 minutes. And then you can also find me on Instagram, um, juicy, J-U-S-I-H coaching handle. Uh, and you can also find me on LinkedIn and uh, Facebook just by looking at my name. So where do you spend most of your time? I spend most of my time probably on Instagram. Okay. I'm hearing that more and more and more over and over and over. Yep. Yeah. I'm actually wanting to move more to Twitter. Uh-huh. But haven't quite made the move yet. Yeah. So we can find you in the future, your future Juliana in tw at, at Twitter. Love yes. it. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's great. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. Mm -hmm.